Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of Socially Toxic Podcast, recapping Vanderpump Rules, episode one, season one, titled Welcome to Sir. But before I dive in, can I just say I just started watching the new season of Real Housewives of Miami and oh my god, they showed up to work once again. Each season, my mind is being completely blown by the amount of drama they are bringing season after season because for a while, I felt like the current state of reality TV specifically Bravo shows and Housewives franchises have been taking kind of a nosedive into a flop era. (laughs) By the way, I'm recording this December 2022, so by the time this goes wide, it'll probably not be very topical. But since this is a rewatch podcast, hopefully we can chat about past events. (laughs) So we just recently came off of Beverly Hills season 12 that was actually pretty good and completely flipped me on Erica which I didn't think would ever be possible since I never liked her and look at me now being completely won over by how she handled the whole thing (laughs) you know the thing widows and orphans I mean She showed up and really showed as much as she could. And despite having received so much criticism for not seeming sympathetic, I actually thought she was very authentic to her Ice Queen persona. I mean, if she started to performatively be soft and show emotion then everyone would have called her phony. So, regardless, she turned out to be one tough bitch. But now Beverly Hills has been put on quote-unquote hold, and I'm not even sure what that means. Hopefully it means just a holiday break. And my absolute favorite Housewives of New York franchise... I fear completely is over. I mean, hate to say it, but it hasn't been good since... I think Bethany and Carol ended their friendship and then Bethany loved the show and they really haven't watched since. I don't even know what they're doing with that. Unless they get Bethany back, who knows what could actually save it. And as far as OC, well, we all know that hasn't been good since they got rid of Tamara, who was, by the way, my favorite housewife and OC is one franchise I think I've rewatched the most just because it's the perfect amount of drama and hilarious pure comedy. And Tamara is my ultimate MVP. Actually, fun fact, she's also Camille Paglia's favorite housewife. <laughs> and Paglia says that 
the fact that you can rewatch the same episode many times and still enjoy it is actually a sign of a quality show. So if you ever feel guilty about indulging, now you know. <laughs> I am definitely so excited that they're bringing Tamara back and her opposite fancy bands de bro. I say bring Jesus Jugs Bolino back and help. Gretchen Rossi as a friend of maybe make her explain the bizarre face filter choices she makes on her Instagram <laughs> but finally I mean I can't wait for OC and I've also just finished watching Winter House and at first I was really interested I wanted to see Paige and Craig's relationship and Amanda and Kyle as a married couple and all the new characters seem interesting, but by the end, I was so bored. I love nothing more than drunk, horny sluts just being messy and emotional, but something about this cast, and specifically Jess and Corey, that just wasn't very sexy to me. I don't know, maybe I was just getting secondhand cabin fever, but... Missing that element of deep-rooted relationship drama is what actually inspired my Vanderpump pre-watch. Oh yeah, so the Miami Housewives. Oh my god, okay, I am loving the cast. I'm obsessed with Gertie. She has so much charisma and charm. I want to see more of her this season. And Nicole, like, what is wrong with me that I'm actually rooting for her? Normally, I'd be all suspicious of that lawyer pilot fiancé and what shady business dealings he's up to, but for whatever reason, I'm just choosing to believe they're pure. <laughs> I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion. I actually enjoy Larsa. She feels like a calming presence... And I'm gonna be really honest that I always felt like I have to be suspicious about her because of how the Kardashians just cut her off and created the narrative around her being an untrustworthy friend. But I don't know, she seems like a great friend to have on the show. I think this is the only franchise where I really actually like every single cast member. They're all like pretty Barbie dolls to me. And selfishly, I adore hearing such a mix of accents. I lived um, for a long time in Europe, but in close proximity to Spanish culture. So having developed an affinity for it, it feels very comforting to have such a great mix of strong bilingual multicultural women who are just proud to represent and I only watched first couple of episodes and <laughs> standing ovation to Lisa Hochstein who spent many years showing how perfect and luxurious her life is she married a plastic surgeon lives in a multi-million mansion on Star Island throws these lavish parties somehow keeps her hair frizz free in Miami heat has two beautiful babies and like a thousand Birkins. And the fact that now she's showing up to expose what a complete and utter disaster that relationship is and her entire life collapsing on itself. Oh my god, I don't know what's more brave to do that or to cook borscht in front of a ruski. 
<laughs> Thank God she's just serving us all the dark and juicy details on a platter. I'm invigorated and scandalized by that hot mic moment. Woo! <laughs> Overall, more good things are coming in terms of reality TV. And even though there is a part of me that misses the old era, I'm looking forward to what's to come next. But alright, let's get this party started and dive into Vanderpump Rules. Oh, first I want to acknowledge that this rewatch is purely for nostalgia's sake and I really do see these people as characters in this world on my TV. Despite it being a reality show, I know that's counterintuitive, but these characters are technically far removed from them as real humans. Since I know a lot of them have moved on with their lives by now, and some are not even on the show, it's been so long since this version in these early seasons that aired in 2013. So by no means my commentary should be reflected on them in present day. So, season 1, episode 1, that sneaky backdoor pilot as we follow Sheena in a backless dress and a tray from Beverly Hills straight into Sir and tricked many a viewer. I wasn't one of them. I was not watching reality TV back then. I think I was just out of my The Hills obsession and was fully into scripted and most likely balls deep crafting theories trying to figure out who A is on Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> okay, pardon another quick tangent, but one of the best experiences I've had was in 2017 when I did a complete Pretty Little Liars rewatch with an amazing podcast follow along. It was called um, Bros Watch PLL2. That pod was truly a labor of love from the bros and so well done and a huge inspiration to me. So hopefully if this podcast can be a lowbrow version of that for the reality TV rewatchers out there, then I'd feel really, really cool. <laughs> And just a little tip, if you want to dissociate and go on a full immersive mental journey of Rosewood and the liars and the mysteries, that podcast is a great accessory and makes for a long, fun, multi-season party. Okay, no more off-tracking. So it was in 2014 when I first got Hulu and all these Bravo shows were available and seeing VPR and that it's about restaurant servers, I was so in immediately. I've worked in the service industry for over a decade, like ever since I turned 16, bartending by 18. So I know all about the complicated inner workings of the day-to-day -day, from social dynamics and hierarchy to relationships and all that drama the adderall fuel double shifts day drinking before your night shift or after closing spending all your tips you made that night at the bar next door back alley smoking breaks feeling like a baller after you get tipped out or being near broke after a slow shift 
All of that was so familiar to me, so I couldn't click to watch fast enough. And I haven't seen it since I watched it for the first time in 2014, so it's been a good amount of time. Obviously, I've kept up through the seasons, just never went back and rewatched all the way through. Even though it lives permanently on the forefront of my mind, so last night when I started my rewatch, I got chills. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous stylized show. And that's one thing I require from my television personally, is if it's not looking good, I'm not interested. I always need the music, the glistening night lights, and city shots, and of course a hot cast. Just give me sexy, beautiful people on my TV. Whether scripted or reality, I don't want to see anything average because, you know, if I wanted to see average people, I would just go outside, go to a Walmart, <laughs> I would look in the mirror. And I don't mean just TV, like, I'm a huge lover of any live shows, theater, concerts, art, fashion, movies. Look, if I'm going to use my eyes for something other than utilitarian purposes, but more for consumption, then they need to be fed. They need to feast on something delicious. My mouth needs dessert and my eyes need beauty. And this show immediately has that glossy appeal. Even if it's used solely as to hook you in tactic, the gloss is just a thin veil that's covering something for less glamorous to come. <clears throat> so we get the intro from Lisa Vanderpump herself. She explains Villa Blanca is where you take your wife and Sir is where you take your mistress. Oh my god. Ooh, scandalous. <laughs> Iconic. I really miss Lisa. We haven't had her on Beverly Hills for like three years now. And she just has that je ne sais quoi. Love or hate her as a character, as a personality. She's so witty and sexy and does it so effortlessly. I just love it. And then we get Stassi basically telling us that the people at Sir have all these aspirations of stardom. They're models and actors and singers and everyone else just wants to be a server at Sir. I believe her. That place looks like an elevated spot as far as restaurant jobs go. And I know the restaurant itself is not really like that in real life. It's far more run down and dated. And alleged opinions, not mine personally, because I don't remember if I've actually... No, okay, I haven't been there. I've only gone to the other restaurants, Pump and Tom Tom. And you know, I was actually impressed. But those are newer. Sir is the second oldest. But regardless, I'm here to suspend disbelief and fully buy into the lure of Sir and pretend it's back to 2013 and just enjoy the vibe. Besides, I didn't do any research, so don't quote me on this, but this had to be the time of more farm-to-table industrial style, minimalist aesthetic type of restaurants popping up everywhere with a health and wellness conscious message. 
So something like Sir probably was sexy and unique and over the top and is encouraging you to bring your mistress. <laughs> then this is the moment that had me locked in Kristen saying, it's true, we're all really good looking. And oh my god, the first time I ever saw that, I was blown away by how strikingly gorgeous she is. And she has confidence to just tell you that she is insanely good looking. So this was also an era of just out of the Jersey Shore. And the Kardashians have already been having their full moment in reality TV. So the standard of beauty was more of that heavy contour, thick eyelash strips, hair extensions, popping lip gloss, overall effortful with a lot of obvious glam, and the nails, the fake tan, tiny Hervé Leger club dresses. So seeing Kristen in boho style flowy tops, minimal jewelry, barely any makeup, natural hair and a cute shortcut, glowing tan skin just so effortless and naturally radiant with cheekbones for days, I was immediately compelled. And I'm still today. Maybe it's because I have a lighter color in myself. I'm more drawn to brunettes, you know, the grass is greener, am I right? <laughs> then we see another brunette queen, Miss Sheena Shea, pop in. And all I could say to that was, oh my god, she's wearing the tackiest earrings I've ever seen. Dangly, sparkly, and about a mile long, taking up more real estate than Sheena herself. I know statement jewelry was a big thing then, but oh my gosh. Stasi minces no words and says that she doesn't like Sheena for being way below her in terms of class. Damn. Sheena is shamelessly on record talking about having dated a married man. Of course, him being Eddie Cibrian, Brandy Glanville's ex-husband, and the source of a very messy public divorce, but... As far as Stasi's evaluation judgment, spot the lie. So I am trying to watch it with fresh eyes as though it's for the first time, and even to my fresh eyes, Sheena still annoys the shit out of me. <laughs> it's gotta be one of those things, you know, when they say if you have a visceral reaction to someone, usually it's because subconsciously you're identifying something in them that you dislike within yourself. So perhaps I dislike that I am also a home-wrecking whore. <laughs> okay, no, 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 no. Just kidding, just kidding. Oof. I'm drinking wine and it has me feeling spicy. <laughs> no, but just... um, What I don't like is her being like, I'm just a new girl and I want to fit in and I'm just trying to be your friend. I think I've had those moments to where you sort of bend the knee to someone who you actually don't like, who's been outwardly rude to you, but instead of standing up for yourself, you find yourself needing their approval and of course later on looking back wish that you've stood up for yourself and wondering why was I such a doormat chasing after a friendship from someone who I don't actually want to be friends with 
and it never works out how you think because if that person isn't open to getting to know you and is mistreating you, chances are you're not going to win them over by indulging that. So yeah, I think it's that needy energy different from rising above it and killing them with kindness because later on we see that Sheena does seem like she just wants to be friends with Stassi. So it feels too desperate in all the wrong ways. However, she is being honest about it, so I'll give her a break. Ultimately, she's pretty harmless, and being annoying is an offense most of us have been guilty of. And she provides the perfect foil for Stasi's domineering mean girl act. We can't have two Blair Waldorfs. Bitchy Blair needs docile, boy-crazy Serena. <laughs> Whoa. Now that I said that, this is mimicking the Gossip Girl season 1 dynamic. Blair was in a rocky relationship with Nate that made her feel insecure and caused her to lash out and assert her dominance over the friend group and and slutty party girl Serena came back humbled and more accepting of the bad treatment post-cheating scandal of her own. Blair had minions, Stassi has Kristen and Katie, Schwartz is Dan, the good guy on the outside as Tom doesn't work at Sir. But does that make Sandoval Chug Bass? No, he's Nate. And Jax is definitely Chuck with far less character growth. So that's the only difference. But overall, life imitating art. I love this. <laughs> Fun to think about. Anyway, we get a little bar moment between Sheena and Jax. And again, watching it with fresh eyes without trying to recall everything that I've come to know about Jax. Here he just seems like a nice hot guy who's welcoming to the new girl. Yeah, he's flirty, but nothing too inappropriate. Just being a total charmer. So I don't know. I would want to have Jax make me a sweet cocktail as well. And he explains the relationship between him and Stassi. And he says, well, fight it out and then take it to the bedroom. Ooh, <laughs> sexy. Him just saying that about her while she's getting mad at him, that kind of tension is what I love to see. It's hot. Obviously, hindsight, it's not actually healthy. It's what my 18 to 25-year-old self thrived on when I was in a similar relationship dynamic. When you think romance is endless, tumultuous, push and pull. So we get an explanation from Peter about Sir being kind of a merry-go-round in terms of entanglements and they all had some history of hookups amongst each other. Kristen tells us how sexy her boyfriend Tom is, Stassi continues to berate Jax for being nice to Sheena, and Jax sort of plays it off as like this chill guy who doesn't know what to do because he's just so in love with his girlfriend. I would totally be buying it. He's so good at appearing 
as a good boyfriend who loves this mean bratty bitch, <laughs> or as Lisa Vanderpump calls her, an overzealous cheeky little minx. I mean, iconic, right? This is the version of Stasi I wish she held on to just a little bit longer because I'm enjoying her being a no-holds-barred mean girl at Cheeky Little Minx. So the squad is closing up shop for the night and we get a talking head intro to Katie Maloney, who by the way is wearing one of the most enormous statement necklaces I've ever seen. It's like an armor hanging on her chest. She says that she loves working at Sir, but she doesn't want to be slinging fried chicken to pay her bills forever. And it would be cool to someday own a record studio. Okay? Question mark? Has she ever identified as a musician or having been passionate about the music industry? I don't recall. The only instance I could think of was there was an episode of Stasi's podcast where she was very excited to attend the Justin Bieber concert in a different state and she thought he was hot in a younger man kind of way. But that's all. As far as her enthusiasm for live shows, I... See Tom, Ariana, and that crew at festivals every year? Never Katie. And we all know it's Sheena who had a quite remarkable two-hit wonder pop star moment. Then there is the white Kanye to come later with a collab with Lala. And Sandoval who's consistently pursued music and is currently a star of the show. Tom Sandoval and the most extras and from the clips I've seen online he's the triple threat singing dancing and playing the trumpet Dodie had a whole blue jean baby thing going with her t-shirt line but Katie had a since abandoned beauty blog no shade as a fellow former blogger (laughs) And now has a podcast, so perhaps aspirations of a record label was just a random thing she said because she needed a thing and model actress was already taken, Stasi was doing the fashion, but it's strange to hear it now. I would have said she would hope to own a sandwich shop someday. <laughs> Okay, another fun thing Katie says as they're doing their closing side work is that in order to sell food, you have to talk about it like it's sex. And it's such a great tip. I opened a steakhouse restaurant right in the center of DC that was a similar vibe to Sir, but more eclectic and skewed old world elegance. It had its own meat aging room in the back so the food was phenomenal and as the night progressed there'd be a dj for the cocktail lounge and a late night party vibe atmosphere on the weekends so there i learned to sell seafood towers (laughs) i would definitely play up the sexy Like, you get this two-tier seafood tower with oysters and mussels, lobster, 
crab and shrimp cocktail and once it arrives at your table everyone's going to be looking at you because it's sexy and grand accompanied with two glasses of crispy bubbly vouv then a large steak couple of sides to share maybe a nice full-bodied bottle of red finish it off with something sweet for dessert and your date is going to be turned on so you're guaranteed to have yourself a delicious night <laughs> did that make you want a seafood tower steak dinner or what <laughs> I was making sales on those, so Katie's not wrong, and it's an excellent tip. Next day, Jax and Peter go to parlor to take shots of Don Julio in the middle of the day. I mean, God bless to be that young and that carefree once again. And Peter talks about when he was dating Stasi, they fought for two out of the four months and how relieved he felt to no longer be terrified of his own phone once they broke up. Essentially calling her a crazy girl. A cliche, perhaps, but if the shoe fits. Alright. Side note, I haven't noticed this before, and I've never found Jax to be particularly attractive, but his old and original nose. Oh my god. It looks so good. Of course, this is also prior to all the coke bloat and steroid use, weight fluctuations, and multiple rhinoplasties, but I'm just saying. <laughs> then we have Miss Sheena Shea in all of her sneaker wedge glory walking to a music studio to fulfill her aspirations of becoming a pop star. Not a singer, but a pop star talking about how she used to look like Britney Spears when she was a blonde and signed autographs as her. Not gonna lie, made my blood boil a little bit. Like, babe, don't bring Britney into this. Just don't. In this music studio, she records a song as less of a phone sex operator and more of a porn star, quote-unquote as her fiancé, Mike Shea, the ultimate fallen hero, is getting what can only be described as sexually harassed by shady middle-aged man. The whole thing made me cringe. The guy's asking Mike if he recognizes that sexy giggle that Sheena has to keep redoing, and Mike can only say yes in so many ways, but the guy just won't let up. Ugh. And what is the difference between a phone sex operator versus a porn star when recording a pop song? <laughs> because if someone said that to me, I'd be like, what do you mean? But I guess that's what makes her the professional I'll never be. And the next scene is the girls, Kristen and Katie, are at Stassi's and Jax's, pre-gaming their shift at Sir. This really brought me back to the days where you're in a two-bedroom, carpeted apartment with your girlfriends getting day drunk and just talking shit about your co-workers when the rent was low and your hopes, dreams, and aspirations were aimed high. 
Here, Stasi is pretty adamant in her hatred of Sheena. She calls her a husband-stealing, whoring piece of shit. I mean, pure poetry. Kristen and Katie try to defend Sheena, but, you know, quickly bend to Stasi, which is interesting because they're both older than her, but the power dynamic is very clear. Stasi is the queen bee, and the other two are her little maidens, and you have to really give it to Stasi. I mean, to have that much command and to be that uh, orly bitchy, she's good at what she does. Again, okay, I have to say this, um... If you don't know what's about to come, watching it for the first time, Jax comes off like such a nice guy and such a good boyfriend. He literally says he has to go to a photo shoot because Stasi's handbags aren't gonna pay for themselves. Like, when you're at that age, isn't that every girl's dream? To have a hot model boyfriend who wants to buy you handbags that you can brag about to your girlfriends? Then we are being escorted by an aerial drone shot of LA to a stunning palace, Villa Rosa. Beautiful. I love the modern fish tank-like architecture, but the decor-wise, it is quite opulent. So, not exactly my specific vibe, although I also have white marble floors white furniture, and roses all over the place, so maybe? Except my home is more of a minimalist space with a few accents, and Lisa's is screaming minimalism? We don't know her. More is more. (laughs) And God bless. Maybe if I had her bank account, I'd go nuts with the flowers too. Who doesn't want their home to smell like a fresh garden every day? Anyway, POV being 2022, LVP might actually be the originator of the mega pint glass of wine because she pours herself what could only be described as a mega pint of rosé and she jokes that she only has one a day. (laughs) What a life, what a dream. If you want a visual to go along with what I'm talking about, I'll post clips on the Instagram. Socially Toxic Pod. Check it out. Guillermo tells how Stasi was being a menace on the job, and when she wasn't allowed to be given the wine she wanted, she told another employee that he needs to get his dick sucked. So what is he supposed to do? Lisa, in her oh-so-witty way, replies, He should just get his dick sucked. And they laugh and laugh. And it is funny, but they didn't seem to have the same reaction when later on, Kristen tells her superior to suck a dick. (laughs) And I know I said I'm trying to watch with fresh eyes, but these types of moments are fun to notice with a more zoomed out lens. Then we go to a true carpeted nightmare that is Sandoval's and Kristen's apartment, where Tom iconically shaves his forehead like a true exfoliated prince that he is. And I really like their feminine versus masculine role reversal during the hairspray bit. And I also like the giant cross hanging above their bedroom. 
They have a really cute dynamic, and this is gonna sound crazy, but are Tom and Kristen the true OTP? Sandoval says in five years, he sees himself being married to Kristen with a kid and another one on the way. So he's been ready to be a dad even back then. And Kristen says that she just wants to be known for the work she's done. Baby, you certainly are. But from what we've seen on the show, Ariana is very adamant against the traditional marriage and kids path for her. And Kristen seems to be in a constant pursuit of a serious relationship that would turn into marriage. I mean, she wore a fake engagement ring with Carter and um, Tom and Ariana, their relationship just seems really comfortable but sexless to me, mostly because he openly spoke about it being sexless. They just seem like best friends, amicable roommates, and no wonder because the relationship did start off on a friendship foundation, which is usually amazing. But what I'm seeing here is more of a complementary dynamic between him and Kristen. And maybe being removed from the toxicity that we will see them inflicting upon each other soon. And with a little bit of a maturity, Tom being out of his cheating phase and Kristen no longer batshit crazy. And them being aligned in their family-oriented goals. Maybe a little reunion could really work, and it would certainly be a plot twist no one would see coming. And Ariana could explore a little something-something with newly single Katie Maloney. (laughs) Okay guys, now I'm just writing fanfic. Let's move on. Next, at Dragon Herbs, a place where they make elixirs based on how you want to feel. I guess that's a very of-the-time wellness fad because those drinks did not look good at all. And I love a weird concoction that promises to energize and inspire. (laughs) We meet Tina, who is also an offender of the gigantic chandelier earrings. Her and Sheena talk about Sheena's upcoming audition to play a pink Power Ranger. And she says, I know I've made it when paparazzi starts taking my picture. And Tina talks about not wanting to memorize another restaurant menu and to be famous. Kind of interesting, the idea of just wanting to become famous Not to pursue your passion of something, music or acting or whatever that by design would actually result in fame, as opposed to wanting fame for the sake of fame. A concept that I guess I've never personally felt, it's gotta be an LA thing. And it makes sense with the way things are now. More than ever, it's easy to accrue a certain amount of fame or followers, so wherever she is, I hope Tina is living her best superstar life. She seemed too pure for the show anyway because of her unwillingness to talk shit about everyone. (laughs) 
Then we are back at Sir, where Sheena is asking Katie, the shift leader, what her side work is, and Stasi assigns her to polish all the wine glasses. And although Sheena seems to be aware that Stasi just offloaded her side work onto her, she does it anyway as everyone else watches. I like how the scene is shot. You really see them moving through the restaurant so you get a good idea of the layout and how they're just sort of whispering to each other about it and all the side glances towards Sheena. It's very teen drama and very The Hills. And then we get our first back alley confrontation as Sheena comes in hot, but my girl burns out fast. Stasi immediately annihilates her with throwing all the fame whoring and home wrecking in her face. Sheena tries to hold back, but the tears come. She actually starts crying as she says how she fell for Eddie and got her heart broken. So I think we've only seen this one version of the story where Sheena was banging Brandy's husband and then on Beverly Hills her confrontations with Brandy where she really just had no room to speak about it honestly. Hindsight 2020, it probably was a form of a heartbreak. I mean, she was a very young girl in Hollywood most likely starstruck by this hot, rich actor with a certain level of fame who gave her attention, how could she have not fallen for it? She probably bought into the whole hype, and knowing what we know of Sheena, began to plan their wedding like any girl in her position really would, only to be played for a fool. So she ultimately made the most of that situation and sold the story. A very tacky behavior of a total star fucker, but in this specific situation, the blame is 99% on Eddie, who was swinging his merry dick all around Hollywood and messing with young girls, and I wish both Brandy and Leanne Rimes and Lisa Vanderpump and whoever else became part of the story took a more vocal stance against that instead of slut-shaming Sheena for a storyline on Beverly Hills and then Vanderpump Rules. But then I guess we wouldn't have this incredible backdoor pilot, so sacrifices must be made. Sorry, Sheena. Say la vie. And the smug look of triumph Stassi has on her face as Sheena runs away in tears is priceless. That girl showed up ready to deliver her best interpretation of Regina George and serve cunt with a capital C. And even though it got her a lot of hate for it back then, I applaud her commitment to the bid. Then we have all three couples gathered around the bar where Sandoval gets into an argument with Stasi over her treatment of Sheena, which seems to be the only mode of communication for those two is fighting at the bar at Sir. Remember that? <laughs> Foreshadowing. And on to the next day brunch where Stasi and Jack start fighting over their relationship making everyone tense because Jacks didn't sleep at their place last night. 
He reveals that their fights get so bad that Stasi threatens to call the cops on him. So already we get a preview into how deeply fractured and dysfunctional their relationship actually is. Kristen says in her talking head that they both operate in absolutes. And oh my god, I totally relate. Being a Gemini, I am so in the extremes, hot or cold, black or white. I've always operated in absolutes and not just in relationships, but most things where if I find something, I can become obsessed and let it consume me and then drop it and not be bothered ever again. Or like in friendships, someone's either my best friend or an enemy. If we have a fight and disagree, I'll just cut someone off and never look back. And I remember once I was with my friend who was a little bit older and we were talking about that and he said that it's a very immature thing to do because throughout life, hopefully you learn to value and nurture your relationships and not feel like they're so easily disposable just to save your own ego. And that really struck something in me. I had to learn to get comfortable in the gray space and not be so black and white, except that I won't always agree with people and that's okay, but you can still appreciate certain things without being 100% in or out. Finding that balance with everything else too. Of course, if something is a toxic presence in your life, you should be able to trim the fat but you can also put some things on hold and come back to them later, without completely going scorched earth and burning every single bridge. So what we see here between Stasi and Jax is a sign of a very specific, juvenile, tumultuous, immature behavior. And the show closes out with one of Stasi's most memorable moments where she says, I am the devil. And don't you forget it, as she takes a sip of one of the two wines in front of her. And despite that, this level of self-assured superiority probably got her so much hate in the beginning. It's also when many of us fell in love with her. So that's it. Gosh, I forgot how truly fun the show is. I'm so glad I finally am doing this rewatch. And if you came across the pod and also watching and following along or just decided to tune in, thank you. Come back next week for episode two recap. <laughs> bye bye now. What?